For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore He says when He ascended on high, He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Salgramson. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are blessed and highly favored and very thankful to have you here. Now, if you have not been to the website yet, I encourage you to visit truepatriotministries.org, and you'll find a lot of information on the website. Our blog page, we do post all our notes from each podcast to the blog page. And of course, the podcast page has got all the archives of every podcast we've done. And you can go in there and listen to whatever you like, or you can listen through your favorite podcast app. We're on probably better than 20 of them, so I'm sure you can find us on your favorite app. Now, today, <laughs> we're going to start a new series. And I hadn't had this on my heart, but this morning when I got up and, and, and went through prayer with the Lord, this is what came up in me, and this is what we're going to do for now. And it's a series, a new series called Faith, Hope, Love. And so this will be the intro to that series. And it's just been on my heart because there's a lot of things going on in the world at this time that people really aren't aren't equipped to deal with or don't know how to deal with. They don't know how to process it and put it where it belongs. And so it's very easy, especially in this day with this technology that we have, to get overwhelmed and not be able to process and put things away where they belong. And we need to do that, especially as believers. You need to know that when you feel like the world is overwhelming you, and you, you just I don't know. You feel like you're under a mountain of pressure. You don't know what's going to happen today, let alone tomorrow. You don't know, you know, what you should do, those kinds of things. When you start feeling so overwhelmed, what I want you to do is what I do. I stop and I turn things off. I put things down and I start fellowshipping with God. I start talking with the Lord. I start with praise and worship. Uh, whatever the mood is at the time, I will either start with praise and worship or I'll start with prayer. And then I'll, I'll slide right on into fellowship with the Lord because prayer is, in a way, fellowshipping with the Lord. So is praise and worship. And I can spend very little time doing this and come out feeling so much lighter, so much better. Like the Lord said, cast your cares on me and, and you know, take up my yoke and my burdens for, you know, they're light. They won't cripple you. And, and we have to remember, and it's our job 
It's not God's job. It's not Jesus's job. It's our job to stop ourselves, to express dominance over our mind, and allow our spirit to run things. And so we do. We have to stop ourselves and go, okay, wait a minute, world. This is nonsense. I'm not dealing with this right now. I'm going to stop all of that because the most important thing in my life right now is God. And I know if I turn to him, he's going to put me right back on the right path. And and he's always there. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. That's why Jesus, when when he died on the cross for us, and he was buried and resurrected, as soon as we receive him, he sends us the helper, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He is in us always. And so we're never alone, and we need to just stop and say, okay, I'm going to give God some time because He's going to help me get back on track. He's going to help me get back on the path I need to be on. He's going to help me to know what to do with all this information that is out there, how to process it, uh, how to how to discern truth from lie. And how to discern what is important and not important. And so it's important to stop and and talk to the Lord. And this series, this is what's coming up in me. This series, Faith, Hope, and Love, is going to be really good. Uh, First of all, it's got to be good. It's coming from the Word of God. It's not mine. Okay. Don't get caught up in me. Get caught up in the Word of God. It is your salvation. And it needs to become your everything. Now, religion teaches you that the Word of God enslaves you, uh, it burdens you, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. I want you to know and to understand that if you've been taught religion, I'm really sorry. I am truly sorry. But you can break that yoke through Jesus. And that yoke will fall off of you, and he will give you his yoke. And his yoke is easy. His load is is light, and you can manage uh, much, much better. Not only that, but you're going to start developing this relationship, this intimacy with God that religion tends to get in the way of. Religion teaches you so much stuff that just simply is not true. It may be a truth, but it's not the truth. And because it's not the truth, and what I mean by that is is a lot of times religion will take a a verse or part of a verse or a part of a part of a part of a verse and throw it at you and teach you that right here is, is where we're at. And you cannot get beyond this. This is your lot in life. Uh, there are religions out there that teach you that only the priest can go into certain sections of the Bible and read it. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Every person under the sound of Jesus's voice has the right to go into the word of God and read it and learn it to receive wisdom and revelation. And, and it's yours. So don't get caught up in religion. If you've got, if you come from a background of religion and you have been chained by religion, I'm here to tell you Jesus broke those chains 
and get to know him and you will start shedding those chains and, and, and it will be a glorious thing. Don't let the world shackle you with religion. Get to know Jesus yourself. And that's what we're doing here. That's why these podcasts are so vital. And it's part of the reason I was called to do these. Look, there's three things in, in my ministry that the Lord has put on my heart. The first is to lift these children up. Well, who are these children? Anybody who's accept Jesus, accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They have adoption. They are the children of God. So lift these children up. The second call is unity. And unity through the Word of God, through Scripture, it breaks the chains of every denomination there is. It breaks the chains of religion. And that's the second call. The third call is to teach people who they are in Jesus Christ. Because if you have your identity locked in to Jesus Christ, the victor, then nothing in this world can shake you, can rattle you. Nothing in this world can destroy you. Um, nothing in this world, well, the Word of God says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, for my righteousness is of the Lord. And so you want to you wanna get to know, and that's what we're talking about. Those three things, that's the vision of True Patriot Ministries. That's the call that the Lord has put on me at this time to focus on. And so that's what we're doing here in all of the series and any and all the podcasts I do. Those three things are at the core of what I'm doing. And so, and it's not about me. Okay. This is, first of all, this is a call the Lord put on my life. This is not a call I chose. Uh, it was chosen for me. And, and no matter how much I resisted, it was still there waiting for me. And so when I finally stepped into it, uh, it was actually a release and a relief. And so it pleases me to be able to come and do this for the Lord. Uh, for me, I would much rather be the one that nobody really sees. I like the people watch. How about that? I like to sit back and watch how people interact with one another and all of that. I don't need to be the focus of attention. Uh, and, and anybody who knows me knows that's true. And so doing this has forced me to come out of that and come into obedience to God and step into the light for a moment. But I want you to know the light, don't shine the light on me. Shine the light on God's word. That's what's going to carry you. In uh, when I'm 120 and I'm dead and gone, when my body's gone and I'm in heaven with Jesus, you're not going to have me to rely on to carry you through a tough time. And I don't want you in that position. That handicaps you. Jesus is now and forever. And that's who I want you wrapped up in. Jesus, the Word. Glory to God. He's the one that came and paid the price for you. The price I'll pay, it's minimal. Whatever it is, it's minimal. The world can't bring anything against me uh, 
that is anything near what it did to Jesus. Thank the Lord. And I, I am very thankful for that because he went through a lot, uh, some very undescribable things. And so to get back to where we are, my heart is in this. And I try to be obedient to the Lord, and I try to listen and hear Him. And so faith, hope, and love, this, is, this series is going to be dear to me because I think, honestly, when I notice it missing, or not missing, when I notice it not at the level in my life that I want it to be, then I know there are people in the world who uh, haven't learned about Jesus. Maybe they've accepted him, but you know, salvation was the end of their journey and not the beginning. And, and we need to reach out to those people and say, look, no, God's got so much more for you. Salvation is the beginning. Okay. It's the beginning. So let's step into this and see what we can find because what we find as you grow in the Lord, what you will find is that not that the trials and the, and the temptations and the, the turbulence stops or ceases to exist or ceases to have any, any kind of access. No, what you're going to find is that you, through the authority of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit and God, you now have the ability to say, nope, not doing that. I refuse you. I don't have to accept you. And, and I want you to understand that. Here's something, and none of this is in my notes, so we're not even into my notes yet. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. This is necessary. Look, you have the power to not accept what the world tries to do to you. Now, that same power that you have that's called free will, that same power you have, you're going to find that you have subconsciously, because you're in the world, until you bring yourself out of the world. You can be of the world, but not in the world. Now, while you're in the world, meaning worldly ways still have a hold of you and they still take priority when you start getting into the Word of God and you start growing in Jesus, what you're going to find is that you're going to realize subconsciously you were doing the opposite of what you should have been doing. And what I mean by that is what we should be doing is telling the world no and telling God yes. Because we're brought up in a fallen world, we're brought up... After the age of innocence, we're brought up to put the world first and God second. And so we say yes to the world and we, we subconsciously, we say no to God. And when you get the revelation that you have not only the power to say no to the world, but you have the power to say yes to God. You've already learned the power to say no to God and yes to the world. Now let's flip it. And let's say yes to God and no to the world. Does that mean the things of the world you can't have? No. No. Not at all. He'll give you it all. He will give you everything, every need, every want, every desire that you have. God will give you. And what does he want in return? 
He wants you to put the kingdom of God first. So you put the kingdom of God above everything. And I'm going to give married couples, I'm going to give you some advice right now. Have your vertical alignment correct. God first, then your spouse, then your children, and then your family. Because God is going to be with you for eternity. He is first and foremost in your life. Everything you want, need, or desire is going to come through him. He's your source. Now, he doesn't want you coming to him because you see him as a source. He wants you to develop that intimate relationship and and let him be the love of your life. He's your God. And then it goes your spouse because, in all honesty, your children— and we get this out of whack a lot of the time. We get them flipped to where the children come before God and the children come before our husband or our, our wife. Um, but that's not the way it should be. So God first, then your spouse, because there's going to come a time when those children are grown and they're on their own. And you're going to turn them over to God to marry a spouse or do whatever. And your job is done. But your spouse is still there. And if you forsake your spouse for the sake of your children, when your children leave, you will get divorced because there's no longer a relationship there with your spouse to stay married for. So don't fall into that trap. Keep your vertical alignment right. And don't let your family dictate to you anything above their level in your life. Okay? Remember, God spouse, children, then your family. God didn't give your children to your family. God gave your children to you. You are the one who are over those children. And so you need to, and not even the school system. I don't want to get too into this, but I truly wish, and and uh, my prayer is that more of you, and and uh, there are a lot of churches out here who already do this, but more of you would come together as a group and school your children through a legitimate homeschool system and not through the public education system. In all truth and honesty, uh, the government was never meant to be in the education system, and I am totally against the government being involved in education. They lie to you, and that's all there is to it. So. More of you, I truly wish that my wish and prayer. Here, let me let me pray over parents for a moment. Lord, I pray over each and every parent who is listening to this. Lord, that you would give them the means, that you would be their source, that you would give them the means that they do not have to be two and three income households that they don't have to sacrifice their children in order to make an income to provide for their children, but that we can have, Lord, in each and every one of these households, you as the source and sufficient, Lord, more than a su- sufficient, abundancy, Lord, in their households, in income and in goods, that every need, every want, every desire is met, Father, 
so that those people, those parents, Lord, those couples can steward their children. Glory to God. Steward their children the way that you would have them to do it. I pray, Lord, every resource necessary over every every parent on this. Glory to God. Bless them, Lord. Their eyes are open. Their ears are open. Their hearts are receiving, Father. Give them wisdom and revelation. Show them, Lord, how to steward their children and be their source for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Hey, I'm going to jump on down. We got to get into this message or I'm not going to get it done. And uh, I I don't want to not get it done. It's going to be a series. So this first one, we will expand on this over time. And I'm really going to enjoy this. and, And I do like interaction. I know right now I'm sitting behind a microphone by myself Uh, with paper in front of me and the Word of God in front of me, and I'm talking to you through a recording. But there's ways to connect on the webpage. You can go to Parlor. I'm on Parlor. Chris Algramson at True Patriot Ministries. You can find me there. You can email me at reachout, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. You can go to the Connect page on the website, truepatriotministries.org, and send a message But uh, I do enjoy the interaction. I I truly do. So faith, hope, and love, they're bound to each other. Where one is, so are the others. So you're not going to have faith without hope. You're not going to have hope without love. You're not going to have love without faith. Now, they are not of the same importance. And uh, so we see here, and I'm just doing partial verses here. But if you look in the footnotes on the notes on the webpage, you will see what the full scripture says. So you have uh, the greatest of these is love. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And speaking of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. Glory to God. It's so good. And so I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 and 2. And I'm doing this in the Young's Literal Translation. And I think a lot of people are here right now. So so let's look at this. So it says, if with the tongues of men and of messengers or angels, I speak and I have not love, I have become brass sounding or cymbal tinkling. And if I have prophecy and know all the secrets and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains and not love, I am nothing. And sometimes we feel like we are that person. We may have all these great things in our life. We may even have God in our life. Um, Just because we have God in our life doesn't mean that our five physical senses and our emotions cease to exist. It just means that we have to make sure that our spirit is in charge and our our will and our emotions and our physical body are in line with our spirit. So, but when this gets out of whack, that's when we start feeling like we have no value, that we're nothing. You know, why am I even here? And, And all of us ask these questions. It's not abnormal. It's normal to deal with these emotions 
and for the mind to start questioning our existence and and God's plan for life and, and all of these things. That's normal. Now, Satan, he would like for us to live in that. He would like for us to, to just build our house right there in the middle of feeling like we're nothing. Because it leaves us powerless. Now, God, he wants us to go through to victory. He's already secured the victory for us. And I did a, a ministry short not that long ago on Psalm 23. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. And that's what I'm referring to right here. God wants us to go through to victory. He doesn't tell us anywhere in the Word of God to uh, stop in the middle of tribulation and dwell there. No. Instead, he says, look, I gave you my son. I gave you the Holy Spirit. I give you of myself. We're with you. You're not alone. We're with you. Don't camp out here. Go through. Because victory is on the other side of that. Go through. And it's not just your victory. But your victory plays a part in somebody else's victory. And that's a great thing. None of us are doing this alone. You can't. You can't. You just can't do life alone. Now, there are those out there and, and who could use less time with people. Um, and there are those out there who could use more time with people. That's not a dictator. Let God be your dictator. Let God be your relationship with God be your guide. And let him go through things with you. So when you're in the middle of that tribulation, when you're in the middle of that challenge, when you're in the middle of that trial, uh, glory to God. When you're in the middle of doubt, cry out to God. Invite him in. And let him go through it with you. This is what Satan wants to steal from you. He wants to steal from you the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to steal from you the understanding that we can do nothing without Jesus. So let's look at John 10.10. 10. And I, this verse has stuck with me, and it always will, because it helps me to discern what is going on in my life. And it will help you to discern what is going on in your life. There's a lot of wisdom in this verse, and there's truth in this verse. So John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that I may that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, in John 10, 10, this is Jesus speaking. Okay? And he's, he's telling us straight out, Look, I'm the good shepherd. The thief comes. And he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, came that you, child of God, may have life and have it abundantly. And I like the word they use here in abundantly. When I look at it in the Greek, in the, the Strong's Concordance, there are so many different words that you can use here. So have it abundantly, it means super abundant, superior excessive, exceeding abundantly, beyond measure, more remarkable. That's what he wants for us, Jesus. That's, that's why he came, to give us that. 
Now, the thief, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, the enemy, the adversary, the devil, Satan, those are all names for him. He is after the word in every form. He's after, it, whether it's Jesus, whether you call it the written word, the spoken word, the truth, the light. He is after the word in every form. Now, why does the thief steal the word? Let's look at what Jesus has to say about it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. And this is in the modern English version. Uh, uh, Verse 18, Therefore, listen to the parable of the sower. Now, let me give you some background here. So prior to this in chapter 13, Jesus had told the parable of the sower. Now he's sitting aside with the with his disciples, and they've asked him, and he, so he's explaining the parable to them. And it says, therefore, listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, that's the devil, the thief, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who received the seed beside the path. Verses 20-21, but he who received the seed on rocky ground is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, eventually he falls away. Now I'm going to speak to this because I want you to understand this is when we go out and we witness to somebody and they accept Jesus right there on the spot. So for evangelists, uh, this, and this is why it's so important to get planted in a church. Right here, this person is the one who somebody testified to, walked him through receiving Jesus, and then left him high and dry, thinking that their job was done. Now, we've all done this but we all have the ability to learn and to grow. And so we can just say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Now I'm going to continue on because I know I don't want to leave that person there struggling. I've got to, I've got to direct them to their next step in the path. And the next step in the path is to get planted in a good church so that they can develop that soil. They can be fertilized and watered and grow and have good, strong identity in Jesus Christ. So let's go on to 22. He also who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And, and this person, we see this person a lot. I'm going to call them atheists. You can call them atheists, agnostics. What, you can call them whatever you want to call them. To me, these are those who they receive Jesus Christ and they spent some time in a church. And, and maybe religion grew up around them. Or maybe uh, their worldly family grew up around them. Whatever the weed is that grew up around them, or the thorns, and it, it choked them out. They never separated themselves. They never pulled away and said, okay, I can be in the world, but I don't have to be of the world. And so they, they became unfruitful. They fell to deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of their own mind their own soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. 
Your heart will never deceive you, but your mind will. And so these are those, and they became unfruitful. These are the people who walk away from the church having their heart smashed because they thought they knew Jesus, but when troubles came, when things in the world pulled on them, when they felt like they had to make a choice because of religion or whatever reason, and, and we have to be careful because there are a lot of ministers out there, a lot of pastors out there who, for one reason or another, will teach fallacies that are not in the Word of God. Like, you have to be broke to be Christian. That's a lie. You have to be weak to be a Christian. That's a lie. There's so many things. You, you've got to give up your manhood if you're going to be a Christian. Malarkey. Malarkey. Uh, there's so many fallacies out there being taught, whether intentional or not. And it's damaging the body of Christ. And we have to we have to get beyond that. And we have to do some repairing. Okay, and we'll get into that another time because that's where you get the fivefold ministry gifts and, and so on. So these people and they become atheists because they've experienced God. An atheist isn't somebody who doesn't know God. An atheist is somebody who has experienced God. But through whatever has happened in their life, they just turn and hate him. They blame him. Whether it's a loss of a loved one or whatever, they blame him, and, and so they walk away from him. That's an atheist to me. Now, let's go on to verse 23. Now, I want you to notice so far, we've got the one beside the, the path, right? That's the first one. We've got... The second one, it was on rocky ground. And then we've got the third one in the thorns. Here in the fourth one, verse 23, it says, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit. Some produce a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. That is so good. This is the one who heard the word of God. He received Jesus Christ. He gets planted in a good church. He becomes an active part of the body of Christ. And he's growing from the milk, he or she. I'm not trying to be biased or anything like that. Just simply, if I say he, it's much easier. He gets planted in a good church. He's, he's growing. He's learned the milk. He's getting established. He's growing into the meat, the, the solid food, as Paul would say. And He's and, and so when you see some produce 160 or 30 times what was sown, well, if one person sowed into that person and they received it and they became a follower of Christ and they got planted in a good church, now we're talking one person sowed one seed into this person, and he gets into a good church and now he's out and he is spreading the word to others. And so what happens is that multiplies. And that's where we get this 160, 30 times. Because he's going to know people. He's going to see people that we don't know. And sometimes we may feel like, wow, I only talked to one person uh, this week. I talked to one person this, this month, one person this year, and, and they got saved. But you have to look at that one person. How many people has that person spoken to? 
What if he's spoken to a hundred times? So a hundred people. And what if each one of them has spoken to a hundred and each one of them a hundred? You can see where the multiplication comes in. And that's the way God works. Multiplication. He doesn't do addition and subtraction. He does multiplication. And so it's so vital that we, we understand the parable of the sower. And we understand what he's saying here. Okay. You are an intricate part in the plan of God in this world. Without you, God has to find somebody else. He has to search out another who is willing and obedient to do what he's asking to be done. Let it be you. Hear him. Pray over it. Act on it. Make sure it's in line with Scripture. I will caution you that. Always make sure it's in line with Scripture. So let's move on from here. Uh, The word is our weapon, and it's our shield. And Paul explains this. Um, He explains to us here the full armor of God. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And it says, Finally, my brothers, so we know he's talking to brothers. He's talking to born-again believers. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Remember, the devil is the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Verse 12, for our fight is not against flesh and blood. So we're not battling one another in the physical. Even though physical battles do manifest, here he's talking about, for our fight is not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we know who our battle is against. It's against the devil and his cohorts. And he refers to them here as principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And there's a rank and hierarchy to the devil and his cohorts. Now, verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Mm, We have armor. That you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit always, with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To that end, be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray for me, that the power to speak may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Glory to God. That's good. The Word is the evidence of God's love for us. And all we have to do is is take a turn. You can start back in Genesis. Work all your way forward. Go through the whole Word of God. And what you're going to find are instances of God's love on display for us to see. And it's important to know that Throughout time, none of the situations that we're in today or that we experience, none of them are new. Since Adam 
made his mistake in the garden. Every man has experienced, every person has experienced trials and tribulations inflicted by the devil on us. And so none of it's new. This is all, let's call it old hat. And so if we take the time and we go back through the word, we can see instances of in the deepest, darkest dungeons, in the deepest muck, in the worst situations of God's light shining through and of God's love helping to get us through the situation. And that is really, really special. The world can't say that. There is nothing in this world that can get a man or a woman through except God. And that's why Jesus came. Now, some of this is prior to Jesus coming. So we see before Jesus manifested as flesh in the earth while he was spirit only with God, that these things happen. So if you go way back, let's look at Adam. Glory to God. Adam gave him not only his world and the blessing, the power, and the authority to subdue and replenish it, but he also gave him Eve, a helpmate. And God spent time with Adam one-on-one. How special is that? You don't do that with somebody you don't love. God loved him greatly. And even though he disappointed him, he didn't abandon him. Glory to God. Look at Noah. God could have scrapped the whole world and everything that was in it. But Noah walked with God. He knew him and he loved him. And in a world that was filled with perversion and hate and false gods, Noah and his family were the only ones who were faithful to God. And God loved them, and he spared them. He could have easily just flooded the whole earth and not told anybody about it and just let them all drown and start over. But he's not a cruel God. He doesn't do that. His love for Noah set Noah aside. Just like his love for you can set you aside. Glory to God. That's good. Look at Abraham, the father of many nations. The father of many nations. He was faithful to God, and God was faithful to him. God poured wealth over him. It was just, it's amazing. Go back and read about Abraham in Genesis, and, and you see just in one chapter, he pours wealth over him. Not only that, he gave him Isaac. When the world said it was impossible for him and Sarah to have a child at their age, God said, nah, with man it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Let me bless you. And and so Isaac came about. And from Isaac came Jacob. From Jacob came Joseph. Look at Joseph. Joseph was sold. His brothers, they threw him in a well. They were going to kill him. Uh, then one of the brothers felt bad, came back, pulled him out of the well, sold him to some slave owners, right, to some Egyptians. Well, he ended up in Egypt and uh, under the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh saw the blessing on him and how things prospered through him. Glory to God. And, and 20 years, I believe 20 years later, through the blessing that was on Joseph, even though his family had cast him out, his brothers cast him out. When famine hit the land, Joseph made sure that his family survived 
because of the blessing God put on him, the love God had for him, and how God cared for him, allowed him to care for his family. It's a great thing. Moses, he was supposed to be killed. They didn't want male children around. They wanted uh, Israel to slow down on creating kids because they were outnumbering the Egyptians by vast amounts. And, and the, the fear that racked the Egyptians, they decided, well, we'll just kill the babies. No problem. Problem solved. But Moses was hidden away for, I believe, like three months. And then they floated him down the river, and the Pharaoh's daughter saw him and fell in love with him. And, you know, 40 years later, Moses is the chosen servant who brings Israel out of Egypt. Glory to God. Or not 40 years, 80. He was 80 when it happened. At 40 years, he knew the call was on him, but he, he, he killed an Egyptian and under persecution from a fellow Israelite, he fled. And 40 years later, he comes back, and that's when the Exodus. And so he, I believe he was in his 80s when, when all of this took place, when Moses led Israel out of Egypt. And you just go back and you look at these things. It's amazing. So let's look. Uh, Joshua, glory to God. Caleb and Joshua were the two that brought back the good report when they went and surveyed the promised land. The other eight came back and brought a bad report, which the people believed, and caused them to be delayed in getting in. Matter of fact, none of the original generation that came out of Egypt was allowed into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua was chosen. The anointing of Moses was passed on to Joshua, and in his 80s, he led the next generations of Israelites into the promised land. In his 80s, and there was a war. It was a battle. It was huge. And, 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 but he, and I remember he says, I am the same man. I am just as fit, just as strong, just as able in my 80s as I was in my 40s. Glory to God. Look at Gideon. And that's because of the love of God. Love of God allowed the anointing of Moses to be passed to him and for him to receive that mantle and go into the promised land. Gideon, the same thing here. They, they, they made mistakes. And because of that, God was not with them. And they cried out to God when they became under attack by the Midianites. And I'm really compressing this down. And God said to Gideon, who was at the time hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat because he didn't want the Midianites to see that they had crops because they would always come and steal the crops. So he's hiding. And God says to him through an angel, the Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor. Gideon's in a wine press. He doesn't feel like a mighty man of valor. He doesn't feel like the Lord is with him. But from there, it escalated, and he stepped into what the Lord called him to. And you got to read it. It's really great. Um, Ruth and Boaz, great story. Ruth, she never forsake, forsook her mother-in-law, and she stayed with her. And, and her reward was she met Boaz, and Boaz stepped up as a man and cared for her. Elijah, Elisha, the prophet, glory to God. How many miraculous things happened? How many prophetic words came from them? It's just amazing. David, 
he was a lowly shepherd. And and what's what's he do? He becomes the killer of Goliath. And if that wasn't enough, he becomes king. Glory to God. And if that wasn't enough, he became known as a man after God's own heart. That's huge. And then his son Solomon asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased that he not only gave him wisdom, but he prospered him beyond comparison. Glory to God. Job, he would not forsake his God. And and he went through, he allowed access to the devil. He went through a time and a tribulation where it looked like he lost everything. Everything, save his wife. Lost all his children, lost his property, his possessions, all of that. And within nine months, because he withstood and he went through the valley God was with him. God so loved him that when he came out the other end of that valley, he doubled what he had originally. So all the prosperity that Job had when he went into the trials and the tribulations, God doubled that. Even though he lost it, he doubled it in the end. And nine months later, Job is double as rich, double as prosperous as he was before he went through the persecution. Glory to God. There's Esther, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus around 750 years before his birth. Daniel, Daniel dealt with the fiery furnace and the fourth man, glory to God. That's a, that's a, man, that's a story right there. The fourth man, praise you, Jesus. And he dealt with the lion's den, but he wouldn't forsake his God. And God so loved him that he carried him through these things. Things that you and I can look at today and go, oh my gosh, how's that even possible? A fiery furnace that is seven times hotter than it's supposed to be, and the very guards that are set to throw you into the furnace actually burst into flame and die before they ever get you in the furnace? Come on, people. Think about this. And they walked around in, and they were loosed. Their ropes are gone. But when they came out, and, and it was said that it looked like there was a fourth man in there with them in the form of Jesus. And when they came out, they neither were singed, nor did they smell of smoke. Glory to God. That's our God. Mary, she received the call to birth Jesus. Now think about this. Now it may not seem like a whole lot. And maybe, you know, you're going, oh yeah, how prestigious and all of that. It's so great. That's cool. Think about this, to be a woman who was betrothed and yet came up pregnant before the wedding day and not by her betrothed, that amounted to death. Take her out and stone her. And Joseph, because the angel visited him, right, and and settled him, he didn't have to quietly put her aside so that he wouldn't shame her. Instead, that, that brought them together. Okay? And so she risked. If she had been found out, she would have died. It's amazing. And so she had, there was great risk with accepting the call that God put on her life. But she accepted it. And with that great risk comes great reward. Praise you, Jesus. Now, that's John the Baptist. 
So here we have John the Baptist come in when it's a time where the synagogue is filled with Pharisees and Sadducees who are more impressed with their own personal wealth and gain than they are with what God could do for them. And here comes a man of God, dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and honey, professing Jesus and the baptism of repentance. You want to make some enemies quick? Go out there and and profess baptism repentance to a bunch of heathens who don't want to admit they're heathens. They will stone you. And so he had great risk on him, but he answered that call that was on his life. Jesus, what a gift from God. It would take a lot to go through Jesus. He, He did it for us. He gave us the spirit of life. He gave us healing. He gave us prosperity or riches, however you want to say it. Glory to God. He gave us a high priest that can relate to us because he was flesh and blood, because he did come as man. Peter, John, the apostles, what amazing people. But look at them. We're talking they were fishermen. These were uneducated men. They answered the call on their lives, even though there was great risk involved. Look at Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was condemning and destroying the church one person at a time. Glory to God. This thing they called the way, right? He was an enemy to God. But because Jesus Jesus loved him, and he knew the call on his life. He met him on that road to Damascus, and everything changed. And he became one of the greatest witnesses of what Jesus does. And since there are times, there have been millions of miracles in this world that witness to the fact that Jesus' love for us is still here. It's still right now. And he is still with us right now. Whether it's the new widow in the story with Elisha, the new widow whose sons were taken into bondage to pay her dead husband's debt. And God intervened with a pot of oil that ran out only when she ran out of empty vessels. Glory to God. Or Jesus stopping the funeral procession to raise a woman's only child from the dead. What love is that? Or Jesus committing himself in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, where he sweated blood. He committed himself to the execution of God's plan, paying for our sins once and for all and giving us, among so many things, the spirit of life giving us adoption, forgiveness, healing, riches. And he still walks with us today, and he will for eternity. He told us he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. And and that's a good word to end on. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, I invite you to do so now. It's quite simple. Just, Just address him, Lord. I know you're there. Like, I repent of my ways. I am turning myself around and I'm running back to you. 
and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I receive him in my heart and I confess him with my mouth. He is my Lord and Savior. Glory to God. And welcome to the family. With that, you get full adoption. You are a child of God. And Jesus' victory is now your victory. And the, the great fun thing is now get planted in the Word of God, get planted in a good church, and start learning what Jesus' victory has purchased for you. It's amazing. There is so much in it. We are ever learning from now to eternity. We are ever learning about the love of Jesus and what his victory purchased for us. Mm. Again, welcome to the family. If you need help finding a good church, just send me a message. I will help you the best I can. And uh, I know the Lord will lead and guide us and we'll get you into the right church. I've enjoyed this, and like I said, this is going to be a series. There's so much to this, so much to this. So I, I pray you stay tuned for the next episode. Um, now we do our ministry shorts. They are five minutes of us with your favorite scriptures every Wednesday, and then every Sunday is our full-length broadcast. And uh, I enjoy these. I enjoy spending time with you guys. It's very uplifting, very encouraging, and it. You know what? It feeds me just as much as it feeds you. And, and that's the joy in it. it. It truly is. And we love you guys. And I know God loves you. Jesus loves you. And there is no sin too great to prevent you. No temptation too great to prevent you from crying out to the Lord. Asking forgiveness. And just getting back with your learning process, your growing process. You didn't, if you're a man or woman and, and, and you've got a girlfriend, a wife, a spouse, whatever you want to call it, look, that relationship didn't bud overnight. It took time. It took learning and it took growth. And it's the same with the Lord. It takes time, it takes learning, and it takes growth. So don't balk at what effort you might have to put forth because there's so much. So much, I mean, look at the title of it, Faith, Hope, and Love. Isn't that worth it? Isn't salvation, isn't eternity worth the, the, the little bit of effort that you've got to put forth? I believe it is. It has been for me. And I enjoy the growth. I enjoy getting to know the Lord better each and every day. I enjoy walking with the Lord on a daily basis. It's it's a wonderful thing. So we love you. Hope you've enjoyed this. TruePatriotMinistries.org. And you can find us on Parlor for right now. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a blessed and fruitful Sunday. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day, guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have called me your friend, and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help 
whenever I have a need in my life. Lord, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face, your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice, and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by any other voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of your righteousness. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you will give it to me liberally. So I am asking for wisdom in the name of Jesus to hear you clearly and consistently today and every day. Help me, Lord, to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.